0: Good morning. It's a Thursday. It is Kale & Company live right here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. Well, the wait is over, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Spradling is back in the studio. Hey, See, I, you didn't think I was going to say that. I was going to say, who yep. are we waiting for? Yeah, okay, <laughs> great to have you back, Scott. Ken, it's awesome to be here with you and Cat. Thrilled well, to be here. Well, it is uh, always great to have you uh, in studio. So many things to talk about. Uh, one of the other waits is always is uh, also over, and that is the wait for Aaron Judge's 61st home run. Yes. Took a little while.
1: It but, did. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you. As a, as a diehard Red Sox fan, I find myself a little bit torn because yeah. I'm, I'm always thrilled as a sports fan to see – um those things which we have not seen in right. a long time exactly. and yep. and you know I don't the only the only reason I dislike Aaron Judge is because of the damage inflicted on the Red Sox e- program e- exactly. with his bat but exactly. he's every everything I see about him as a as a person as a uh, as an athlete He's an inspiring individual. Yep. He seems great with the kids and great with fans. So you can't help but kind of just tip the cap and say, "Man, this guy is just getting it done." And um, you know he's going to be a monster in the playoffs because you can't just keep walking that guy when you're in the divisional series <laughs> exactly and moving through. Right? Exactly They're a force right. to be
0: reckoned with. And but he, uh, he has walked many times in the was. last couple of weeks, in particular. Yeah. Uh, as uh, a lot of pitchers were pitching around him, but. One guy that did not pitch around him last night uh, was uh, was the guy who delivered the uh, pitch for the sixty first home run. That was lefty Tim Mesa. Yes, who pitched forty three games with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, a local connection. And, and I, love I it. think. I think, Scott. Between you and me, come a little closer. I don't want everybody to hear okay, this, but okay. I got you. I think he grooved it a little bit. You think so? I, I do. You think so? I do. And I felt the same way since 1974 about <laughs> Al Downing and Henry Aaron when Hank Aaron hit his 715th, okay, All in right. 1974 for the Braves. How, how many games
1: do the Yankees have left at this point in their uh, regular I think season? It's maybe nine. So. So we have, he has um, a ch- less. he uh, has a seven. chance seven. Oh yeah he has a chance to propel
0: that much closer to the numbers that have asterisks next to them yeah oh yeah absolutely the you know, the Bonds and McGuire and yeah. Sosa and those guys yeah uh, and uh, there will be no asterisk next to uh, Aaron Judge no no, uh, no not at for all For sure I mean and it's it <laughs> you know, it's been like uh, you know eight days I think between home runs for him yeah and, I will say yeah I'm really glad.
1: That it did not happen during a Red Sox game. I know that the Yankees had their lunch during that
0: four-game set, but at least he didn't tie the record (laughs) against the Sox. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a Sox-Yankees game at Fenway when he was on 57. Oh, wow. And uh, that was uh, two weeks ago last night that I was there at Fenway. And uh, I was honestly, Scott, hoping— that he would hit four that <laughs> night. I was. I, mean, I know that's a little unrealistic since nobody's ever done more than that in a major league game, and four is the all-time record. Uh, but I was just hoping that he would get to 61 that night. I totally get it. But his uh, his uh, mother, and, and Aaron Judge, for those who don't know, Aaron Judge is adopted. And he was adopted uh, the day after he was born. No kidding. Yeah. I actually did not know this. Yeah. And uh, his his mother... Uh, was there for most of the duration of uh, well the last uh, couple of weeks anyway? Okay, when he was on the precipice, uh, precipice of uh, of uh, hitting the sixty uh, first home run, and uh, Roger Maris's son, Roger Maris Jr., very nice, was uh, sitting right beside her.
1: See, I yeah.
0: love that yeah. capturing history and uh, and doing it in a very nice sort of pass the baton historic way. Exactly, <laughs> so <laughs> great. Yeah. So uh, and they embraced last night night, the, the second that uh, he hit that home run in Toronto. I love it. Off former Fisher Cat Tim Meza.
2: Now, see, the thing is,
0: you, you were too young to remember this. I, I was actually around, but, you know, it, just have sketchy memories of when it happened in 1961. But Tracy Stallard, who allowed Roger Maris's 61st home run, uh-huh. is known for nothing else. But that pitch. But that pitch. Right. <laughs> nothing else. He was a rookie right-hander at the time. But he's known. That's it. That's what I'm saying. He has a legacy. and, And when you think of Al Downing, all I think of, he had a pretty good career with the Yankees and the Dodgers. But when I think of Al Downing, all I think of is Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Yeah. You know, there's a litany
1: of players across the sporting spectrum. Goalies scored on Defenders uh that, that just missed blocking the pass attempt, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The, right. The, the guy that stood closest to the winning play made
0: at the buzzer. Yeah. Uh that that's a legacy list right there sure. as well. And now Tim Mesa <laughs> will go down in history. Congratulations Cat, nothing else but that. <laughs> So and, let's call the cats and get and, a black Man, And I think, I honestly think, like I still believe to this day about Al Downing. I think Al Downing grooved that pitch to Henry Aaron yeah. in April of 1974. And I think <laughs> Tim Mesa <laughs> last night grooved that pitch to Aaron Judge. He so, said, let's see if you can do it. I'm yeah. going to serve one up for you. And, and he did. He certainly I, did. I, well, I, I'm not, you know... <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, 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 I really, I believe that. But, okay, uh, uh, let's yeah. just go. With so it. the quest for sixty-two will begin tomorrow night. The That's Yankees uh, return home to Yankee Stadium to take on uh, the Orioles, and he'll probably go on a binge now because he has three games left at home. Yeah, and then uh, four on the road at okay. Texas before the season comes to an end. The Yankees have already clinched the AL East. Yeah, and uh, the Blue Jays, if they had won last night, would have clinched a playoff spot. I I am rooting for the Blue Jays because yeah. they are a Fisher Cats uh, You bet. They're the Fisher Cats parent club. Well, it's also AL East. You want the AL East to do well when yeah.
1: when your team is out of it, you kind of want your closest a- rivals to do
0: well. They a- are out of it, yeah, all right. Yeah, they've man, been out of a- it for a-, R- a while. You know, I wonder Scott and you can tell now Scott is a huge uh, sports fan, but I wonder if the Red Sox have any regret right now that they did not bring Tristan Casas to the major league roster before they did, which was like about three weeks ago?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's it's tough to say because this, this team has the individual parts that would make up a team that can go deep. And it's hard to argue against the track record of its manager. So you feel like most of the components are there. So you raise a really interesting question. But I, it feels like, from a pretty early part in the season, maybe halfway point, it just started to feel like these Pistons are not all firing in the ways right. that you need it yeah. to, compared to some of the other teams that just surged out in front early on, including the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Astros, and and you just didn't get that sense. So you, I think you could make a good argument either way. Bringing them in earlier gives them a little bit more experience, ramps up that sense of confidence playing at the highest level. Uh, versus maybe protecting him a little bit more, bringing him in a little bit more slowly, yep. because um,
0: uh, he didn't play that many games at the AAA level last year, yeah, because of injury. Uh, but uh, it, it, first base was a, a trouble spot for the Red Sox right. all season, yes, and yep. uh, absolutely, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck wasn't getting the job done, nor was anybody else really that uh, they put at that position. Uh, Franchi Cordero, for example. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I, I don't know. Uh, they may have their regrets at this point, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, the, the Red Sox, as we know, got off to a poor start this year. Yeah. They uh, did. They had a good June. They had a good June. I and then, agree. And then everything started to fall apart again uh, uh, pretty much after the All Star break.
1: It shows and, how high our standards are when it comes to Red Sox baseball because they were, generally speaking, they were in the wild card playoff hunt. Until maybe the beginning of August, and it just yeah. felt like, man, it's just outside their reach. Yeah. But they were in the hunt for a while, within three, four games. At some point, they were actually in. So yeah. they
0: they flirted with a little bit of comeback destiny, but they just couldn't put it together in the waning weeks. And everybody was hoping uh, Chris Sale would come back and right. be a great contributor, but yeah. uh, we know what happened there. Yeah,
1: that's just been uh, trouble. I'm yeah, I'm concerned...
0: Yeah. I am concerned that that investment will never pay off. I, I don't think it will. I, I don't. I don't think it will. They still owe him three more years and, uh, and close to a hundred million dollars over those three years. So it's a lot of funds uh, tied uh, up. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, so we shall see how they uh, progress. I know uh, they're talking about starting Nathan Avaldi twice before the year comes to an end to mm-hmm. see. I mean, obviously they're hopelessly out of any playoff contention. But to see how he looks, he's going to become a free agent. Right. Uh, J.D. Martinez will become uh, a free agent. And uh, more importantly, Xander Bogarts is going to become a free agent once oh, this season is over. Those three names, I feel like Bogarts
1: is the one we need to have the longest oh, conversation with. Absolutely. You know? I mean, absolutely. J.D. JD's given us some great years, some amazing seasons. But I just have that vibe that maybe the management is thinking about something different.
0: Yeah, I think so. I uh, they. have They've got to uh, at least attempt to bring Bogarts back. I agree. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Scott Spradling is with us, and we may even talk a little politics today. Let's try Or it. talk about the, the uh, hurricane, which has yeah. uh, devastated uh, a good portion of Florida. We'll talk with Scott about those things and more, including the appearance of the Scott Spradling Band at a venue near you, folks. It's Kale & Company Live here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back. Kale & Company Live. It's a Thursday. Scott Spradling in the house here at uh, WKXL, 1450 AM, 1039 in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester. We're going to get an update uh, after the 8.30 break from the streets of Sarasota. You've heard of the streets of San Francisco, but we're going to get a report from our friend Mike Nikovic from the streets of Sarasota Uh, around uh, 8.35. Lots of devastation in uh, Florida over the last uh, 24 hours, Scott, and... uh, I read a report this morning. Uh, the sheriff of Lee County, Florida, told Good Morning America this morning that deaths from the storm in the area. Now, Lee County is where Fort Myers is located, right. Sanibel Island. Part uh, of the Gulf Coast. Yes. And uh, the death toll from that area is reportedly in the hundreds. Yeah. In yeah. the hundreds. They are uh, waking up to some really cataclysmic damage down in
1: that area, listening to some of the early reports and talking about the the storm passing, but the flooding surges not completed yet. And that the priorities for first responders at the moment Mm -hmm. is clearing away debris, trying to reestablish power lines, and then reestablishing contact with those people who overnight decided to stay, but then called for rescue. So there's a uh there's a monumental task ahead of the the central gulf coast of florida for a rebuild and and ken and i were amping up the google machine as we were worried about our friends and you know all of us listening and everyone in this area we all have connections to that area in some way shape or form so reaching out to friends and family and hearing numbers like that is is scary and and to put it into context um my 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 brain always goes to Katrina uh, when sure. I start thinking about okay yep. how do how do I assess in my own head how bad this was because we all remember how unbelievably damaging it was to New Orleans and how long it took for them to recover yeah and,
0: and in many ways they still are they trying still to recover are. from yeah it. Yep. and that yep. was eighteen hundred fatalities
1: from Katrina yep. so if yep. you're hearing hundreds from the most impacted county. Um, you start getting a sense of just how bad that damage is.
0: Oh, absolutely so. So our thoughts and prayers are with all the people uh, of Florida. Obviously, some areas impacted uh, more than others, but uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone down there. We'll get an update from uh, Mike Nikovic a little after 8.30 this morning. Uh, Scott Spradling was at the uh, Patriots-Baltimore Ravens game this Ooh. past Sunday, the home opener for the Patriots, which, uh, which they lost. Uh, and uh, they might might have lost a uh, quarterback, Mac Jones, for a little while, but that's still right now as we speak, yeah. even up in the air. Yeah, I, I I would, you know, the way he hobbled off the field, the way he was taken into the locker room, Looked screaming. Yeah. yeah, and uh, they said some of the uh, some of the noise that was coming out of Mac Jones was just beyond belief. You know, in terms of screams and and stuff because of the pain he was thriving in. Uh, uh you know I, at, at that point I would have been shocked to even consider him playing right uh, this Sunday yeah. against the Green Bay Packers but uh, he has still not been ruled out no I, he hasn't and you you would think common sense at this point would think they're one and two
1: road game against one of the best teams in the NFL and your guy is hobbled at best and man. I know that Mac Jones gives you the best chance to win a football game if you're the New England Patriots but there's the short term long term strategy here and I know that picking up another loss and being one and three you're staring down the barrel of not making the playoffs in a season where the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills are clearly Mm. really good so they were really good before this game against Baltimore was played and it was still a matter of trying to keep pace with those two not to mention many other AFC teams I would almost predict that prudence would require us to sit the guy and let him recover just a little bit, recognizing that this may be a season where you are already thinking through, how do we get stronger for next year? And let's still go week by week. If we can survive Green Bay, you assume that it's probably a loss if he's not starting, but you're still only one in three. And you've got games on the, on the calendar yep. that you can circle for a win. So you don't give up
0: the ship, but yeah. you maybe think long-term versus short-term. Uh, I mean, uh, it was called uh, early on in the diagnosis a severe high ankle sprain. Yeah. And listening to some athletes who have experienced that before… It's not something you get over in less than a week. No, definitely not. And and, and I I don't know. I I think to put him out uh, out there under any circumstances on Sunday would be crazy. Yeah, I agree. Really? I agree. And he would have almost no mobility.
1: And in yeah. watching that Baltimore game, the one Asset that Mac Jones has is he's quick on his feet and can move out of the way. Now, he made some, he made a couple of really costly decisions in that game that had he not thrown the pick in the end zone and, um, you know, a couple of other plays that were slightly head scratcher. it could very well have been a different outcome there. They were still driving at the end yeah. and that that the, the strip fumble of Aguilar
3: was oh, was, that was that was the killer. Was killer. That it that was. ended it. That, yeah. But any, they were still hole. within yeah. a touchdown
1: and driving. Yeah. So you, exactly. they were very much in that game against a, a pretty good Baltimore very good team. team. Very good. So yeah. you you've got a core. There's 22 guys that play on offense and defense yeah. every game. It's not just one person, but the quarterback is the central cog, so you you know I I think at this point they'd be smart to just sit him down, give give it at least another extra week, and then start testing that mobility to see yeah, how it is.
0: Exactly, it's You'd, not, it's not worth it. Right, he's a long-term investment. I, so. I I honestly think with or without Mac Jones, believe it or not, as crazy as this may sound, I still think they have a chance to beat the Packers. I mean, they're really not. Uh, racking up the points on on offense. I agree. I, you know. You're right. And the Patriots' defense
1: and, uh, yes. is strong. Yeah, uh, they they definitely gave up more than they should have against Baltimore. But when you've yeah. got a quarterback that's that mobile, um, you're you're dealing with a different defensive strategy. And Aaron Rodgers is. Not that type of mobility quarterback So he can move around Don't get me wrong And he can scramble
0: But not like Lamar Jackson No, No, he is
1: not the running threat of Jackson So I am interested to see I agree with you I think that, you know, the Patriots You're in the game no matter what If your defense keeps you there and yep. all of a sudden, you're taking a lot of pressure off the offense. And, but, and,
0: and, a, and a lot of those points that Baltimore scored were as a result of Patriots' turnovers. Oh, my gosh, you know? yes. Yep. I mean, the defense was on the field quite a bit. They were. In that game on Sunday against yeah. a very powerful offense when you have Lamar Jackson out there. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, Mark Andrews and other receivers that he has. Uh, Boy, Andrews had a crazy yeah, day. We were yeah. screaming
1: from the stands trying to figure out, how's this guy open so many plays yeah. in
0: a row? Thankfully, I have him in fantasy football. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was jealous of that fact. <laughs> and Lamar Jackson, too. <laughs> oh, good of. for you. You had a great in, day. In fact, it's, it's tough when you have – because I've been a Patriots fan for many years since the, since Fenway Park days. Uh, but, you know, I, I on my fantasy team, I have Jackson. Andrews and Justin Tucker, the kicker.
1: Oh my gosh! So I'm
0: you a heavy, heavy, heavily into the the Ravens on my fantasy team. Yeah, uh, but it's tough. Yeah, you have mixed emotions. Right. You know, and you have that fantasy team going for you, <laughs> yes. and you, and they're playing against, you know, the team you've rooted for since you were a kid, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but any, hoping anyway. Hoping for a shootout thank, where your
1: team wins. Yep. Yeah,
0: thankfully, they won't play Baltimore again uh, That's it. Uh, this season. But uh, at any rate, Scott Spradling is with us. And uh, and Scott, you know, you, you are one of the most connected uh, political people in, in the state. And this is certainly political season. You just have to click on the TV for five minutes to know that it's political season. No doubt. And and see three or four commercials during that uh, five-minute span (laughs) for uh, one of the candidates or against one of the candidates or however it may be. Uh, How are things shaping up right now in the... The three races that uh, you know most people are focused on the yeah. the congressional the House represent House of Representative races in districts one and two, mm-hmm. and uh, the U.S. Senate race between Maggie Hassan and General Baldock. Looking at the uh,
1: most recent polls from, you know, for example, the U.N.A. Survey Center, you got a sense of the horse races that that exist here. Um, I think if you're a Republican cheering for change, you're looking at those poll numbers with maybe a little bit of disappointment because as a midterm, usually the party that does not hold the white house. So in this case, the Republicans would have momentum and there'd be a red wave. President Biden is not the most popular politician in America right now. And that tends to generate momentum for the opposing party. But what you're seeing right now are competitive races for all three. I think um, Don Bolduc against Maggie Hassan, Um, general Bolduc has the most work ahead of him for pulling an upset Um, right now. The Hassan resources and the allies coming out of D.C. spending money to try to keep her seat dem and keep the Republicans from gaining the majority. You're seeing a lot more anti-Bolduck and pro-Hassan ads flooding the airwaves than you're seeing anything pro-Bolduck. He's going to have a hard time breaking through with his own paid message strategy that may keep those numbers in place. It makes him have to do things differently. And we've seen a couple of early steps post-primary privatizing social security he's on record saying we need to be doing that and some of the changes that he's made with regard to election outcomes um before the primary he was no i think 2020 was stolen from donald trump then almost immediately afterwards shifting to the general election perspective he said uh nope I think Joe Biden won this thing.
0: So and it, it doesn't appear to me, as as an outsider, that he is getting the support, General Bolduc I'm talking about, from the RNC. I agree. That Maggie Hassan is getting from yeah. the DNC. I,
1: I think the Republicans may be shifting their resources to other races to yeah. see what they can do. So that at the top of the ticket, that's the one that Republicans might be the most nervous about. But the other two congressional races are really a jump ball right now. Yeah.
0: Scott Spradling is with us of the Spradling Group and the Scott Spradling Band, October 9th, 2 p.m. at the beautiful Rex Theater in downtown Manchester. Come on, come all. We'll talk more about that coming up after this break, and we'll uh, check in with our friend Mike Nikovic from the streets of Sarasota right after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Don't touch that dial. Gale & Company live on this Thursday. Scott Spradling is with us in studio. Good morning and good morning to you, Scott. And we say good morning to our good friend Mike Nikovic, who right now is on the streets of Sarasota, Florida. Mike, how are you this morning?
2: I'm fine. Uh, I was able to actually sleep last night. You
0: know, I was going to ask you about that. You did get some sleep.
2: I did get some sleep. I think I was so exhausted I think I fell asleep around seven thirty for about an hour and a half and then I get phone calls from all the people that I promised that I would stay in touch with <laughs> were calling me to see where I was and their concerns. So uh but I managed to get up around five in the morning then uh took a quick walk out here and uh just uh got you know, like vegetation damage. Parts of trees. We have a lot of oak trees. Yeah. In the down- right now I'm on 41, Route 41. And uh, here 10th Street, people familiar with. Uh,
0: You're not driving, uh, are you?
2: No, no, no. No, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm standing here between two well constructed concrete arches. <laughs> so that I can check myself. But uh, I'm looking across at Sarasota Bay and then in the distance, uh, Longbow Key which originally was supposed to be one of the places that was going to be hard to hit because uh, the storm was supposed to hit north of us, which meant that we would have gotten southerly winds that would have pushed the water on land and in the bay that's right in front of it. Uh, but that didn't turn out that way, did it?
0: No. Is, uh, it, it, is it still windy down there? It sounds like it might still be a little bit on the windy side in Sarasota.
2: Yeah, right now... Uh, I just checked the the weather on the local T V station app and uh it said twenty eight miles per hour out of the northwest. So uh, I'm I'm surprised that we haven't uh gotten more of a turn from the the south the west southwest, but uh I don't know, maybe that'll happen later on. But I I didn't hear anything through the building last night. I mean all day I was listening to the wind and the rain and then all of a sudden when it stops you think something's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's the, the yeah, so, calm to the so, area.
0: So I guess the most devastation took place in uh, Lee County, uh, Fort Myers, Sanibel Island. Uh, that area was hit uh, the worst.
2: Yeah, the um, as uh, Ian came off of Cuba, he actually came off Cuba a little farther east than people thought. Now, the western part of Cuba, I've never been there, but just from what I've learned, There's not, there are are no mountains, it's not a mountainous region in the western half of Cuba, and so when it went over there, it really, the land didn't really do much to uh, uh, cut down on the power of the storm, and then once it got into the warmer Gulf waters north of Cuba, that's when it picked up steam, and then it veered right. Originally, it was supposed to go Tampa, and then they projected Venice, which, Is about uh, 20 minutes from me. Sarasota is about 30 minutes south of uh, Tampa, and then it it veered off. And uh, I tell you, Sanibel Island—I don't, I haven't seen any pictures of Sanibel Island this morning. But uh, if if you vacation there or have vacation there, I'm not sure it's going to look the same way anymore. And Fort Myers really got flooded. I I don't know if you saw top. I think there's a beach, but there was like six feet of
0: water on top of the beach. It's unbelievable. You know, it, it's sad because, uh, you know, there, there, there sounds like there have been uh, quite a few deaths in, in that area as well, from what we're, what we're understanding uh, this morning anyway. And uh, there was, uh, I imagine, a lot of devastation as well in downtown Fort Myers, and they have done just a remarkable job in, in downtown Fort Myers uh over the years it's a it was a great uh, destination uh, for a long time after you know it, it, when I first started going down uh, covering Red sox spring training downtown Fort Myers was just you didn't want to go there it was it was not a good place to be yeah and then uh-huh. in, in recent years it has really come around and it is really a, a beautiful spot I, I just uh, you know, wonder what the devastation was in downtown uh, Fort Myers. And uh, and the ballpark itself, uh, JetBlue, where the Red Sox have spring training. The Minnesota Twins have spring training in Fort Myers as well. But
2: uh, Actually, I'm kind of anxious to see what's happened in Northport, which is right around Venice, because that's where the Braves built their new spring training camp. Uh, and so that's, that's not too far from me. Northport's a local in Venice and so I'm kind of anxious to see. I mean that's a it's, it's a steel concrete structure so I, I imagine it won't be a lot of damage but you wonder like about the floorboard things like that
0: yeah so, yeah
2: whether or not those were damaged I've seen I've seen a lot of signs and, uh, just in this area we we got gusts up to about 80 to 90 miles an hour yeah. we have an airport that's 3 miles away so we get good statistics from that and uh but right now I'm seeing, i uh, say waves in Sarasota Bay, which is kind of unusual.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mike, are you yeah, seeing that it's... Power,
2: shows, shows, I was just going to ask,
1: yeah. How, how, is the power outage situation the sort of the, the worst um, conditions that you've got right now in terms of the aftermath?
2: Yeah, in Sarasota County, uh, I'm in the city of Sarasota, which is part of Sarasota County, which has a few other communities like Osprey and Venice. And right now, I think they said it was around 85 to 90% without power. I happen to be within a quarter of a mile from a substation that I can't see from here. But Actually, I can see from it. And um, I, we, we've been with power since the beginning. So I've, I've been really fortunate that there are a lot of people in a lot of condo developments via the Key, Longboat Key, where they've lost power. And also, the, they tend to shut off the water on the barrier islands. Because you know, when you get sewage back backup, uh, they're afraid of that it's back getting into water supplies, and so they want to be careful before they start having people uh, turn water faucets back on.
0: So you never lost power. I I, I understand the the folks who did uh, number about two million uh, throughout okay. the state of Florida.
2: It may be more than two million. Really? Uh, but yeah, and uh, quite a a good chunk of them in Sarasota. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> but the lights are on uh, on the on 41 here, Tamiami Trail, and um, so heading up to your favorite museum, the Ringling Museum. The Ringling
0: Museum—it <laughs> is my favorite museum. <laughs> it, it is. But All those I've miniature young, but, uh, figures that I love—I
2: <laughs> do. I know it's, ah. it's a great place to, to visit. when They come down.
0: It's a great place to take the kids and me. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, oh yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I there all the time. It's amazing that I learned something I, new all the
0: Yeah. And, I walk and of course uh, all the other properties that are on that uh, are all the other structures that are on that property at, at Ringling uh, uh, the mansions and, and uh oh man, that's quite a place.
2: They have a beautiful art museum. Yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt about it. But right now, I mean if compared to Fort Myers, it's like we're on the stage and we you know we might have a blemish or two here or there. I, I think I saw on the news this morning there was one small building uh, on the street next to me, uh, further up the road going west, that collapsed. So who knows if that was water or wind or how well built that structure was. But, I mean, you could, people who have been to Florida know that a lot of these buildings are pretty sound, steel, concrete, that it would take a lot to do Anything for them, if anything you're susceptible to, would be uh, the rain and any surge if you happen to live really close to the water.
0: Well, Mike, we appreciate uh, the fact that you've been with us now for three consecutive days here on the program, uh, giving folks uh, an update on what's happening in, in Sarasota and uh, throughout the state of Florida. And uh, you, know, you still have your, your great reporting skills, even though you haven't you know been a radio reporter for any number of years uh, you are still a, a great radio reporter.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that coming from you. That's a very high compliment. Uh,
0: well, Mike, I, I hope you take it that way, and uh, yeah. I hope to uh, hope to chat with you again soon. And stay safe.
2: Yeah, thank you. And uh, the rain's uh, <clears throat> going to be out on the east coast now, so let's hope that it doesn't develop over there and uh, head north.
0: Let let us hope not. Let us hope not, Mike. Thank you so much. We appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Uh, Have a good day,
0: Ken. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's uh, Mike Nikovic. And uh, Mike and I used to work together at a station where you used to work in Manchester. Ah, yes. Yes, at a radio station. Some familiar hallways. Yeah. Do you ever miss TV? You know,
1: I miss the people. Yeah. But I don't miss the deadline of... Turning around the news story And getting into position And hustling to the anchor desk I, I don't miss that um, Because that takes a toll After a little while I, But I, sure I definitely miss The interactions with the people And you know It's a its a unique fraternity And family and media So I always love Being able to reconnect With my friends like you And the folks at Channel 9 That are still there every day That, that were there 14 years ago When I was
0: there Yeah Really? <laughs> 14 years Can you believe? 14 I years I can't I honestly can't it, it certainly doesn't seem that long since, been a flash. Uh, since you've been on WMUR, but I guess if you say so, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, you would know Scott Spradling of the Spradling Group is here, also of the Scott Spradling Band. And we'll talk more about that uh, coming up, but mark your calendar October 9th. You know, you can uh, DVR the Pats you know exactly and 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 watch the pats after you see the (laughs) scott spradling band at the rex theater in manchester on october the 9th at 2 p.m we'll take a break back with more and the scott spradling will stay with us here at wkxl and nhtalkradio.com don't touch that dial back. It is Kale & Company live here on WKXL and htalkradio.com. Our special guest in the studio, Scott Spradling of the Spradling Group and the Scott Spradling Band, appearing live and in person October 9th at the Rex Theatre. In Manchester, 2 o'clock, a matinee, so yes. everybody can go, and uh, it's not going to be a late night. Not and, at all. And uh, So, Scott, when, when we show up on the 9th yeah. at the Rex, which is a beautiful venue, they've done an amazing job uh, with the Rex Theater in Manchester. I've seen a, a number of uh, events there, uh, and now I'm going to see the Scott Spradling Band. But uh, what can people expect when they see... The Scott Spradling Band in action.
1: Hopefully, this is the kind of show that uh, you you, you want to come and, and almost dance in your seat or hop up and dance in the aisles. We are a. You don't tw- mind that. No, we uh, encourage it. We are a 12 piece band. I've got uh, a, a co lead female singer. I've got horns and a full rhythm section, and there are 12 of us, and we'd love to have a good time. And we'll play everything from old Chicago, like songs like um, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? and Saturday in the Park. And we'll do Elton John, and we'll do Billy Joel songs. We'll jump into Michael Buble and Frank Sinatra, so we like to give a little big band flavor, yeah. we like to give a little uh, cover band flavor as well, and uh, we're up there just having a good time and hoping everybody else does too, and the Rex Theater is just a great little venue because every seat's a good seat, it is, very comfortably yeah. cushy, and an open bar, yeah. so uh, well, we, we well, like to have some fun. It's not necessarily, it's, oh, it's,
0: it, it's, it's it'll open. It'll be technically yes. open, it, it, yes, yes. Right,
1: so right, the, the right. bar will be open for business, yeah. and yes. so we, um, we'll, we'll give you two sets by an hour and a half of some good times and songs that you'll recognize from from the from the good old days but some stuff that's maybe a little bit newer as well. We like to mix it up and yeah. get people singing along with us and it's an afternoon party.
0: A- absolutely. The bar is right in back of the orchestra <laughs> section and uh, and is well utilized. Yes. 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 Uh, you can you can get tickets at
1: rextheater.org you can order them online and uh, and like I said, we like to have a really good time and and the uh, the the informal theme of this concert is band favorites i went back right. to the guys and gals and said all right y'all which ones do you really like to play the most what are your favorite tunes and we put together a couple set lists and um, we're gonna we're gonna just play our band
0: favorites that is going to be a great afternoon <laughs> of music uh, for sure the scott spradling band at the rex october the 9th at uh, 2 p.m so that that is terrific today by the way uh, speaking of music, is Broadway musicals day? Yes. Wow. I don't know how these days are determined, Scott, and and you. Uh uh, floated the idea before we went on the air today. Why, do, why don't we make some up and yes. see if they stick? I think it's right. Ken Kale Day every <laughs> doggone day. <laughs> From 8 to 9 on WKXL anyway. <laughs> but uh, do you have a favorite Broadway musical? So I got a chance
1: to see Hamilton a couple of years ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it was it was pretty phenomenal. And I think what I really enjoyed about it was the sort of um, updated take on the classic story of the history of Alexander Hamilton. So I, I just thought it was really smartly written um just a great blend of music and storytelling. I I really liked that one, but I I've seen a few of them. I I that was the most recent one. So I guess I'd have to tip my cap to that. It really was as good as advertised, and I think that's what I enjoyed the most about it. But I've seen Wicked. I remember seeing Merlin years ago, Cats years ago. Yep. Um there are some great Broadway shows. I mean Mary Poppins was uh, obviously made famous by Disney, but it was also a really popular Broadway show yes, as It was. Well. It so was. there's there's yeah. Years that, after, though, There's so, some yeah. great selections out there.
0: Oh, and, oh uh, that really, that there really is. There's
1: nothing yeah. like live music. Whether yeah. you're on Broadway or you're just off Elm Street in Manchester, that, live that music is, is a great, yeah, unique it,
0: it, thing. I must say that the Palace does a, a tremendous job agree. With, with their musicals uh, totally as agree. well. Yes. And they, they really do. Carl Rajat, who has been there for uh, a long time, and he's still a pretty young guy. You bet. Uh, do but, you have a favorite? Do I?
1: Yeah. Do you yeah,
0: have a favorite my, I, I, If I uh, was pressed on it, I I would have to say The Producers.
1: Okay. Yeah. What a great show that yeah. was and absolutely hysterical. I never saw it on Broadway, but I saw the movie and yeah. thought it was hilarious.
0: I, I saw it uh, just in the in the wake of uh, 9-11. And, oh, wow. And uh, it was about a month after 9-11 on Broadway at the St. James Theater. Hmm. I remember that name because of my good friend, the incomparable Peter St. James. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been but, to that theater myself. Uh, we were supposed to see... Uh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick in it, Yep. but uh, we were in line. We had our tickets and uh, had tickets for a long, long time in advance. It was a matinee in October, and uh, so we heard a a buzz along the line as we were waiting to get in that Nathan Lane would not be appearing in in that performance, and he did not. Uh, Apparently, he was out for about a week with some voice difficulties. Oh, jeez. So uh, an actor by the name of Brad Oscar took over, and uh, he he was outstanding. I mean, he really was, but uh, you were expecting Nathan Lane, and so that was a little bit of a a disappointment. But nonetheless, it was a great show. Matthew Broderick was in it, and... uh, uh, other than that, it was the original cast, except for the star for Nathan, of the show, except Nathan for Nathan the big Lane. name. Yeah, yeah right, absolutely. That's right. a tough act to follow too, because there yeah. aren't
1: too many other people that are anything like Nathan Lane. That is that so, is so true. And especially the almost slapstick type of comedy of what the plot line is for the producers. You really need that that unique comedic talent. Yeah. So, yeah. but what but, a great show! Brad Oscar
0: was great. Uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, you know, our, our good friend, our producer, Cat Catherine Martinez. Uh, is going to be in an upcoming uh, musical at the uh, Pittsfield Playhouse. Uh, Cat, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, coming up uh, in late October.
1: Yeah, she said Halloween weekend, I believe is. It is. is. Yeah. Yes. That's Halloween when it starts.
3: And yes, and then a second weekend, uh the first weekend of November. So it's going to be a great show. Definitely come out.
0: Good for you. And yeah. at, a, at the beautiful theater, the Scenic Theater.
1: I yes. love it. So yes. That's that's October 29th and 30th, right?
3: October 28th, 29th and 30th. 28th, 29th, 30th is a matinee. Awesome. So definitely come out. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very spooky show perfect for spooky season so <laughs>
0: totally timely yes well, i'm done. going to be there opening night no no <laughs> doubt about it now kat do you have a favorite? now let's let's put jekyll and hyde aside for a second jekyll and Hyde. Aside. do you have a favorite uh, broadway musical
3: i do i'm such a classics gal that's okay i'm a huge fan of my fair lady oh one yeah of my favorite musicals um first performance was in march of 1956 uh, J- Alan Lerner is just an incredible um, lyricist and uh, he worked with a composer named Frederick Lowe who is just so also incredible and uh, you just can't see anything like it anymore you you're know, right you can't see anything like that anymore the
1: rain in Spain falls mainly on the yes. plane and get me to the church on time Absolutely. I mean there are some absolute classics out of my I fairly, oh, oh, my yeah. fairly
0: and, and, and I saw it uh, a couple of years ago uh, in New York uh, at Lincoln Center, at the, no at the theater there, and not at the Metropolitan Opera House, but at a theater at Lincoln Center wow. on an incredibly huge stage. And it was just fantastic. One of the best staged Broadway shows I've ever seen. And uh, I've seen a few, but uh, My Fair Lady was fabulous. And so that just
1: proves right there. Kat's good taste means that she's also going to put on one heck of a performance. Oh, there's no doubt. So you just, y'all got to
2: get to Pittsfield on Halloween
1: weekend and check out Jekyll and Hyde. Oh
3: my gosh, for real. The the talent in this cast is incredible. It's about a 30 plus person cast. Wow. We have to hire out, um, you know, a lighting um, production crew. So it's going to have incredible lighting on stage. And we also have an eight piece pit. Um, wow these orchestra pits. So definitely come on out, pitsfieldplayers.org, get your tickets now. We, we think we're going to be selling out, so I'm telling a lot of people to make sure you're buying now. Absolutely um, yeah, great. Before it comes up.
0: Good yeah. for you. And mm-hmm. and I'm going to a show tonight at the, at the Palace. It's the last weekend of uh, Little Mermaid. Oh, terrific. At the Palace Theater tonight. Got to love the local
1: performances. Support
0: that local effort. And, uh, you know, I know, as always, when I go to the Palace, the, the production—they they always have uh, Carl Rajat always has a little twist on the original, you know? <laughs> yes. And I'm sure he will. Uh, I'm sure we won't be disappointed at all. The Little Mermaid uh, last weekend— Uh, at the Palace Theater, and they they do an incredible job. They really and truly do. And don't forget the Rex, October 9th. That's right. 2 o'clock. All right. So I I want a prediction from you, uh, Scott Spradley. All right. A a prediction. Okay. Will Ime Adoka ever coach another game for the Boston Celtics? Wow, that is a really, really,
1: (laughs) really good question. So as it stands right now and what we know right now, my hunch is No. My hunch is that they we will go, go through this season and that the two sides will agree to disagree in part ways and he will get a fresh start someplace else. And the reason I make that prediction is because we don't know the full details True. of yeah. what's gone on and why. And we may never. We may yeah. not yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but considering it sounds like some decisions that were made impacting people very close to the top leadership tier of the Celtics, I'm not sure how relationships can be repaired in a way that allows all of them to continue to walk the halls together. I don't know that a one-year-off kind of time out from it all is going to be enough.
0: I I think we're going to find – here's my analysis of it – is that I think sometime during the one-year suspension – uh, they're going to announce that they've uh, come to a mutual agreement of a parting of the ways, yeah. and uh, I think they'll, they'll probably settle it that way, and he'll go on to coach somewhere else. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, so we, we shall see about that. And today we, we mentioned it's uh, uh, National uh, Broadway Musical Day. Yeah, but it's also National Coffee Day. Oh, National Coffee Day! So glad Day. I had some. Uh, there, there you go. So, how does Scott Spradling <laughs> take his coffee? Little cream, little sugar. Can keep it coming. All right, Kat, how about you? You, you drink iced coffee all I the do. time. I do.
3: I'm an iced coffee person. Yeah, that's okay. Extra skim, too sweet and low.
0: All right, yes. and and I'm I'm just a, a little half and half nice. in, in my coffee. That's it. No, no sugar. Because uh, you're sweet enough, Ken Sweet Kale. enough as it is. That That's it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Scott, you know, we, we do an hour here. There's so much going on. Never even really scratched the political surface. But hopefully we will get you back before the election in, in November. It'll be my honor. And, Ken, thanks for the time. It's always right. great to and, spend time with you and Kat. Don't forget, October 9th. Rex Theater, 2 (laughs) o'clock. The Scott Spradling Band will be in action. You won't want to miss it. You can dance in the aisles. You bet. They encourage it, folks. Come see us. Come see us. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company. We'll see you tomorrow morning. The Friday Fun Bunch.